Are you sick and tired of your business computer guy? Does he take forever to call you back and respond to your request? Are you paying him good money to keep things working, but there are still constant problems, slowness, and other recurring issues? Are you worried he's not backing up and securing your network? And does your head hurt from having all these issues to deal with? If this describes you, please be sure to call my good friend Matthew Odom of Heritage Digital at 843-664-8989. Heritage Digital is an IT firm that specializes in safely securing and managing your business IT network. Whether you have one employee or 500, Heritage will make sure that your business isn't bogged down by IT issues impacting your security, productivity, and most importantly, your profits. Heritage Digital will perform a no-cost IT assessment and ask you all the right questions to make sure your IT network works correctly all the time, and it's for one low monthly fee. This is a turnkey solution, folks. And with clients from South Carolina to California, Heritage has you covered. So if you're sick and tired of the constant computer and network issues, call Matthew Odom of Heritage Digital today at 843-664-8989 and get rid of all the issues negatively impacting your business once and all and forever. 843-664-8989, heritagedigital.com. Rock and roll. It's your daily dose of all things Gamecocks on the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Here's J.C. Sherwood. Inside the Game Guys podcast, J.C. Sherbert, Wednesday, February 16th. Wanted to get an episode out to you guys today. It's not going to be terribly long uh, here on a Wednesday. I uh, haven't had back-to-back days in a while here on the podcast. Uh, as always, News and Notes is sponsored by Heritage Digital. Please give Matt a call. Uh, if you have a business and you're having problems with your IT guys, like the commercial said, uh, go ahead and hit him up. Uh, Gamecocks last night, uh, miracle half-court shot by James Reese. 77-74, they beat Ole Miss in overtime. Uh, Gamecocks climbed to number 98 in the net ranking. Uh, and, and again, going to be a shorter episode, so I'm going to move some analysis in here. I'll tell you about Cindy Searfoss, our analysis sponsor here in a minute. But uh, here's what I don't like about the net ranking. Uh, and uh, it's weird because it, it really doesn't have that much to do with Carolina. It's, it's the offensive and defensive efficiency numbers that, that count – uh, that I think, are, you know, when you look at the resumes, the wins and losses, you know, South Carolina's 20-something spots behind Vandy and A&M, 3-0 combined against those teams, double-digit win at Texas A&M. Uh, I don't like that. I, I, I've just – I've never been a big Ken Palm guy. I, I understand those of you that are into it. Uh, analytics are fun. Stats are fun. But stats aren't like the end-all, be-all – uh, of uh, competitive sports, folks. It's the final score of the games. Uh, and I think sometimes when, you know, losing pretty may count good for you, uh, as much as winning ugly, then we have a problem. And I think that there are a lot of basketball teams over the years that win ugly and, and, and do well. Uh, and and it's, it's just unfortunate. I'm not saying that's why the Gamecocks are 98th, obviously, you know, you lose by 24 at Coastal, you know. Uh, you dropped a tough one to Princeton. People keep bringing that Princeton game up. I, I don't think there's any any problem with that on the neutral court earlier in the year. Princeton's number one in the Ivy League. The Ivy League's just crappy this year, so they're not – they're 115th in the net. Uh, 
you, you know, I losing to Coastal Carolina by 24 on the road sucks. I think, you know, struggling against Ryder, uh, I think this team did. 65-58, I think, was the final there. That's, you know, that, that's obviously – those are resume things because margin of victory counts and stuff, even though they did, they did beat Ryder. But, uh, you know, losing to Florida at home. Florida's pretty average in basketball this year. This is not one of their better teams they've had in Gainesville. You know, when you had the chance, getting blown out by Tennessee. South Carolina's done it to themselves. But, you know, you sit there and you look at teams with similar results and you're like, yeah, you know, why are the Gamecocks a little bit low? Uh, and I think there's other teams like that too. And, and I don't like it. I think that's something for the Andy Katzes of the world uh, who came up with this deal, who have come up with this deal, uh, the, the Ken Palms of the world. You know, when you're crunching numbers – for seeding purposes or something in the NCAA and you got to split hairs, you know, I think that data is, is important and valid and stuff like that. But as far as like who gets in, you know, when, when teams are way down there because they, they went ugly. Uh, I don't, I don't know that I like that. I don't know. How I like that. But uh, anyway, the Gamecocks have a, a big game this weekend, obviously. And, and I keep saying that big game, big opportunity, because they keep coming back and winning. If they would have lost at Georgia or at Ole Miss this week, I'd just say, hey, you know, it's a good chance to take it to Will Wade <laughs> uh, this weekend. But um, LSU and Mississippi State back-to-back, that's a Q1 possibility and a Q2 possibility. Gamecocks win those two. You got three left now. Two of them are at Alabama and at Auburn. Uh, those are long shots. But like I said, uh, I think that uh, – Alabama this year, you know, if they're hot from outside, you can forget. It. I mean, you're not going to beat them. Um, if they're not, if they happen to go cold and you're playing pretty good defense, uh, and I watched their game against Arkansas, the Hawks came back because Alabama went cold. Um, so that would have to happen. Stevenson and Reese, to me, for South Carolina to just sort of match the outside shooting Bama is going to get would have to be hot. Keyshawn Bryant can't miss layups and dribble it off his knee, and he's he's gotten a lot better. You know, played a pretty good game last night. Kusinard has to show up. A lot has to happen, but that's just that's not a you know far fetched type miracle win. Uh, it would be a big surprise, but it's not a far fetched miracle win. Missouri comes in; they're not very good, uh, and then it's at Auburn. Unfortunately, to end the season. I don't still think South Carolina matches up with that Auburn team this year at all. And it, it would take a horrible day, probably – I think it's senior night, senior day. Does Auburn have any seniors? Uh, I don't know. Uh, down there in that environment, it would just take a a lot of craziness happening, I think, to win that one. But in Alabama, may be a different story if you get on a roll and you just happen to catch a cold. That's a lot of what-ifs, okay? Chances are – if you win the next two, you're probably looking at nine and nine in the league, 18 and 12. And that's going to mean probably getting three wins in the tournament in Tampa, maybe two, depending on who they're against. But, uh, you know, that, that, that's kind of a long shot. Carolina had been the best SEC tournament team. But, uh, you know, stranger things have happened. And, and I think what you want, look, man, and I know everybody's got an opinion about Frank Martin right now. And I have an opinion, too, and, and I've, I've said it. I think this program uh, is stuck, okay? This program has uh, has run up against a ceiling most seasons. Uh, you know, and like I said, I'm, I'm willing to throw out the, the last year 
Uh, I'm throwing it out, you know. Uh, but it's 16, 17, 18 wins, you know, and 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 that's been kind of the ceiling. Uh, and there's been costly non-conference losses and then some costly conference losses. Uh, and, and this program, and, and this is every team since the Final Four with the exception of last year, they just can't seem to break through at important moments. And, you know, home loss to Alabama a few years ago, lost to LSU a couple of years ago, the loss at Vanderbilt at the end a couple of years ago. Um, and that's after they put themselves in a bind by losing games early in the season that they probably shouldn't have. And, and we've seen kind of the same season over and over and over again. So when that happens and a coach is in his 10th year and apathy is set in, uh, you know, you have to decide, well, how are you going to break through the ceiling, you know? Uh, and look, you could do that through recruiting, but – you know, I know the Gigi Jackson thing is out there, and I think, frankly, South Carolina has a really good shot at him, but that's a 2023 prospect. Uh, that guy's not going to help you next year. Um, you're going to go through another 15, 16, 17 win season? I don't know. Um, you know, so it's just recruiting is one way, but the other way is coaching change. And, you know, when a coach has been there 10 years, it's hard to sit there and keep beating your head against the, the ceiling. Uh, if you're a program now, look, I've seen some really stupid comments about Frank Martin. Frank Martin's a joke. Frank Martin's awful. Frank Martin sucks. Frank Martin, you know, none of those things are true. Is this program mediocre right now? Yes. Is this program uh, really kind of a C minus program right now? Yes. Is it average? Yes. Is it good? No. It's 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 better slightly than the historical standard. Uh, in the SEC, but there were a few two. There haven't been many good years. You know, it's always been kind of you know for the most part your average seasons around here, with the exception of two years, were and then one year they got screwed, or are have been you know keep your head above water, uh, more competitive wins and losses wise in the SEC than you ever have been, but critical losses have, have been costly. Uh, at, at bad times, you know, and, and here we are going in another two, three game streak, uh, streak where, hey, there's an opportunity and they just haven't been able to cash in and they haven't been able to cash in on the final four. Uh, and, and so that's the reality. You know, I, I'm not sitting here, you know, saying uh, Frank Martin's better than you'll ever have. Now, I do think that when you look back, you know, let's say, you know, Frank, uh, goes to NIT this year, calls it quits, leaves. Uh, the university goes in a different direction, which I don't. I don't know that an NIT prevents a change. You know, you're going to look back on it and go, "Well, you know, they got he got the Final Four that one year, and that obviously, you know, showed that there are years this program can be very, very good." Um, but you know, South Carolina most years. Uh, wasn't at the bottom of the SEC like they had been, you know. I mean, you, you look back, uh, Darren Horn certainly had a really good first year in the SEC when it was awful, only made the NIT, and then couldn't figure it out. Dave Odom never had a winning season in, in the SEC, uh, even though he, you know, went to three NIT championships and won two of them. Um, amazing how good of a coach he was in the NIT and in the preseason, but just not – you know, not in the uh, not not in the league, the sixteen league games that they used to play. 
Uh, Eddie Fogler had two good years, really three in NIT, and then they had 15 and one, 11 and five. Uh, South Carolina was one of the best programs for that two year stretch, uh, really in the country. Uh, two NCAA tournament losses, but uh, then the bottom fell out eight and 21, three and 13. All of a sudden, South Carolina went from one of the best to one of the worst in the in the whole league. Uh, he got it back to 500 and, and then passed it off. Uh, and then Steve Newton, of course, was the coach the first two years in the league, and, and the program went backward 10 years in his two. Uh, and, and none of those uh, comments about the past coaches here have anything to do with what needs to happen moving forward. I'm all about moving forward. But 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 some of this stuff, I mean, you know, you're you're out there, people are out there with, you know, after a win last night, say I wish they hadn't won and, and you know, downplaying it or whatever. And look, that was a I don't want to say lucky shot. It was an unprecedented shot by James Reese. But like uh, I said on the brief and I said on the Big Spur Minute today, if you guys are on Instagram or, or Facebook or, or YouTube and you caught that. I, I, I said, look, here's a kid from Columbia that, that transferred in from North. He could have stayed at North Texas. Uh, they have the highest net rating in Conference USA ahead of UAB right now, and they're probably going back to the dance. You know, he could have stayed and been part, part of there, but he came home. He plays for the Gamecocks. You know, he had missed 13 threes in a row. He's been big for them this year. Uh, and, and he hit the shot. Be happy for it. I mean, you know, everybody's always griping – uh, about players from Columbia not coming to Carolina. Well, you know, with that kind of attitude towards a player from Columbia where where you're, you're almost upset, and I'm not saying all of you, I'm saying there's some, because you're so pissed at Frank Martin that you're going to downplay like a dream moment. I mean, James Reese probably growing up on the playground or in the gym sat there and practiced that shot and probably dreamed of, of playing for the Gamecocks and then a half-court shot to win a game. You know, you're going to crap all over his dream. People were making comments about his video where he said, come to the arena. You know, oh, well, we've been let down before. Well, screw you. I mean, you know, come on, man. Uh, you know, your feelings as a fan are valid. And, you know, if you want to say something about that, send me an email. Shoot me a tweet. We'll talk about it on the on the podcast, on the Big Spur, you know, that's what I'm for is to voice your frustration. You know, don't don't crap all over a kid from Columbia who doesn't didn't have to be here, who had a dream moment last night, who's asking you to come out and support the team. And I saw that on social media. Vast majority of you are very, very supportive and happy. I'm not talking about all of you, but when somebody starts talking about their own my feeling is I've been let down before. Well, you, who cares? Why, what does that have to do with James Reese having a uh, a moment? Nothing. You know, we, we live in a society where everybody thinks their feelings are, are, are the most important thing. Um, and look, I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, but, you know, it's not. You know, your feelings really have nothing to do uh, with what James Reese did last night, good or bad. Those are just facts. And, and I, I don't understand the, the whole feelings part of it. Well, I just feel like we've been let down. Okay. Uh, 
What does that have to do with the guy in the moment saying pack the gym against LSU? I mean, look, you want to talk about feelings. Does anybody out there have an affinity for Will Wade, the coach in LSU? Uh, I will tell you, he's a Clemson grad, if, you, if, you, if that means anything for your feelings. Well, wouldn't you feel good if South Carolina took it to them this weekend? I mean, last year in Baton Rouge, the Gamecocks blew a lead when Bruce Shingler was the coach, when Frank had COVID. Two years ago, that was a game that could have gotten the Gamecocks on the bubble. LSU won by five at Colonial Life in front of a great crowd. Don't, don't you – I mean, wouldn't it be great to take it to them on Saturday, regardless of what happens in the future? Yeah. I mean, you don't want to come because of your feelings? Fine. Uh, most of – a lot of people aren't going to show up anyway. And that's not that, – that's your right. Uh, and I'm certainly beyond the point, you know, in, in, until the administration does something about the camera angle, the seating arrangement, whatever, I'm beyond the point of where I'm going to sit here and, and complain about the basketball arena not looking full because, you know what, they're, the numbers – I mean, look how many people were at the Ole Miss game last night. Whew. And they have a small, nice new arena. Wow. You know, there were a lot of empty seats there. I totally understand it. Uh, and the fact is, is that in South Carolina, you get nine to 11,000 in their most games. You just got the diehards in the upper deck or whatever. And so, so I'm not, I'm not saying show up to the game or you're not a real fan. That, that's not my thing. I'm just saying your feelings, you know, when you address a player on social media, don't really matter. And there's a couple Folks out there that probably have never even heard of my podcast, never even heard of, of anything that, that I do that, that express that. And that's just very disappointing. It's embarrassing to me as someone that is part of, you know, the Gamecock community here uh, to see people that feel that way. Uh, and, and I think a lot of it has to do, you know, with feelings over, you know, rational thought and things like that. But, you know, come on, uh, you know, look, and again, that has nothing to do with the future after this season, uh, or, or I'm not sitting here toting the banner for Frank Martin. Uh, I, I kind of feel like watching this year's team that, that we're kind of watching a, a different team, but the same season, the same season they've had every year except last year uh, since the final four. Same season. It's, it's weird. It's weird. So, like I said, this program's stuck. Now there's two ways out of it. Um, you know, obviously there's a recruiting way out of it. Like I said, there's really three. There's there's three ways out of it. Number one, South Carolina can go on a run and make the NCAA tournament this year. Now, I had somebody on the message board ask me, are we just going to be satisfied with an NCAA tournament trip? Uh, hell yeah, you are. <laughs> uh, this team make, goes on a run and makes it to the big dance, even if they're one and done, which has never happened in Frank Martin's career, by the way. Uh, yeah, you, you, you know, there's no change. There, there would be no sense in it. You know, you, you've gotten back to the tournament. That's what it's all about. You know, and at that point, he has twice as many, you know, NCAA tournaments as Dave Odom did. Uh, two, te- you know, two, you know, he has just as many as Eddie Fogler. You know, at that point, I think you just say, well, you know, hey, this. This guy can coach, and, and he's in the tournament. Now, that's a long shot, folks. It's a long shot. It's going to take a run. Uh, it's going to take a run, but that's what college basketball is all about. You know, you're not going to throw back the Final Four because, oh, this team wasn't hot all year until they got to the tournament. 
You know, you're going to throw back the 65 points against Duke in the second half because, you know, South Carolina lost to Missouri during the season or, or whatever, you know, thinking like that. No, uh, it's not football. Uh, so that's number one, you know, th- and that's not that, – that, there's not a good shot statistically of that happening. Uh, so number two, I mean, and, and I mentioned recruiting earlier, so that's number two. Uh, doesn't look like, you know, that's something that can, you know, change quickly. Uh, and then number three is a coaching change now, you know, and, and, and what you have to do is when you're talking about a new coach, you know, who's the guy that's going to get you the extra four or five wins. Now, I'm not saying that if a new coach comes in here and the program backslides and goes backward and doesn't get to 17, 16 wins, that that's a bad move. Uh, it would be unfortunate, but we all know coaching changes don't always work, you know, uh, and and you you know that whoever comes in may not get to wins and losses wise uh, as well as Frank Martin has done on a consistent basis. But when you're stuck, you have to try. You have to try to kind of get the sledgehammer out, beat the ceiling, uh, get through. Uh, and so that's it. You know that that's it, and that that's my take on Frank Martin today. Um, what else? Mike Singletary came by football practice. Uh, I wonder if you guys out there, uh, maybe send me uh, a mailbag text or, or, sorry, email or tweet. Do you remember on the message boards back in the 2000s when Holtz was here, I think it was right after Charlie Strong left, uh, Chris Kosh had taken over, where there was this strong rumor Mike Singletary would be the, the, the defensive coordinator under Lou Holtz. Well, Mike Singletary's in the football building yesterday visiting uh, Shane Beamer. Uh, all that's uh, <laughs> pretty cool. Uh, Beamer's having a, a pretty good go of it. Uh, I expect Jody Wright to be announced as the tight ends coach officially uh, here in the coming days. I, it hasn't, uh, you know, it hasn't uh, hasn't been officially announced yet, but I, I think they're waiting on some paperwork still, from what I understand. Uh, and that's about it for news and notes. Um, and the analysis and, and all of that. So I'm going to tell you about Cindy Searfoss, then I'm going to go to the iHealth Consulting mailbag. Cindy Searfoss uh, is uh, a realtor from Caldwell Banker Kane, married to a dire Gamecock fan and all-around great human being. Cindy has been in the upstate for more than 35 years and would love to help with any of your real estate needs. Contact her, 864-414-5271 or ccearfoss at cbkane.com. She's on Daniel Morgan Avenue in my hometown of Sparkle City, Spartanburg, South Carolina. We know the real estate market's crazy. We know many of you maybe won't be wanting to sell, sit on that money a while until the housing prices go down and then cash, you know, make a nice little profit. If you can move quickly, that's uh, very helpful. I think you can do it. But Cindy's the one that's going to guide you through all that, not me. 414-864-414-5271. Cindy Searfoss, please tell her JC sent you. Okay. There's two ways to get into the iHelp Consulting mailbag, right? The first way is to tweet. Tweet to at the Big Spur Pod. And this is our first one that's coming in. And I'm going to tell you about iHelp Consulting here in a minute. Adam, or and I am bro. That's it. And I am bro. Let's call him Adam. Building off the message board post today, if quarterbacks really are lottery tickets, then I'm not sure we're not better off with the Bailey-Davis combo than we would have been with Gunnar Stockton. What do you think, JC? 
Uh, you know, so you look at it from a standpoint of um, the more tickets you have, the, the, the statistically, the better your chances. Um, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, 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 I don't know. I, I think it's stocked and stuck. Let's just go to in a world that I, I don't know that there's a Spencer Rattler coming in. Um, and so I think it's already kind of, you know, they got three instead of one and, and that does statistically increase your chances. Now, how good is Gunnar Stockton going to be? And, you know, will he be special at college? That kind of thing. I, uh, I, I uh, you know, I, I think he's going to be really good. You know, I, I think he's better than Vandergriff or, uh, Beck or any of those guys at Georgia. I think Gunner's a better player. Uh, and I have since he was committed to Carolina, and I do now. Now, maybe I'm going to look like an idiot on that one, right? Because Vandergriff does have a lot of tools. Um, but Stockton to me is that guy that uh, he's a winner. He can run, he can throw. Uh, he's going to make Georgia fans pretty happy. Now, you know. What's Braden Davis going to be in two years? What's Tanner Bailey going to be in a year? Uh, Spencer Rattler, obviously, is going to be the starter this year. I mean, so, you know, who got the better of the deal? You know, and, and I don't I don't know that any of that would have happened had Gunnar Stockton remained committed to South Carolina. So, for South Carolina's needs, uh, looking at it now, uh, unless Gunnar Stockton just blows up this season – because I think they would have been looking at him to come in and compete for the starting job. And because of the injury to Luke Doty last year and some things like that, I, Stockton may have beaten him out. So there you go. But, uh, you know, right now, I, I think for South Carolina, it's a better situation for them to have that balance because you got Rattler is going to win the job. You have Luke Doty who can heal and develop and, 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 and kind of enter a period of calm in his career. Because like, like I said before, Luke Doty's career has been sort of constant upheaval so far. Two really weird years for him. You can let Braden Davis develop. You can let Tanner Bailey develop. I still think they should put DeCarian Joyner at quarterback and let him be the backup uh, if Doty isn't ready to go health-wise uh, in spring. I'd play Joiner there and see what he can do. And I and look, I don't care what anybody says about Joiner because you can you can obviously look at him from an evaluation standpoint. I, I evaluate talent as well as anyone on the message board. Uh, I can promise you that. Uh, you know, other people maybe can break down film and and they know all the terminology and the plays, and that's fine. I'll defer to them. But uh, there's something called a gamer when it comes to playing quarterback. And if you watch the carry and joiner, not throwing him out there for the wildcat for two plays or a play, not any of that, because that was awful, as we all know. In the North Carolina game where he was a quarterback, there's just something different about him when he's on the field as opposed to when he's on the field at other positions. Uh, and it's the position he's played his whole life. Uh, I know the ball coming out of his hands – doesn't always look great. I know his passes aren't always hitting guys in the hands, but hey, there's a lot of if you if you're ever field level uh, in a college uh, at a college practice or game or in an NFL in a training camp, 
there's not a bunch of tight spirals, man. The ball's coming out of the hand quick, and it's it's hitting guys in the hands, and they're they have to make adjustments. I mean, there's just I think there's this notion these days that you know everybody's got to be throw it like Trevor Lawrence or they suck. But man, oh man, I mean, it, most quarterbacks, it's not it's not necessarily about the tight spiral. It's about getting it to the guy, making plays, and so I, if in my opinion, I'd keep Joiner at quarterback. And just let him see what he can do the next two years. You know, see if he can make a move for the starting job uh, in uh, 2023. Uh, be a one and done kind of guy. Because I, I, I think that, you know, nothing DeCarian Joyner has done on the field at South Carolina uh, when you watch him play to play what I classify as special, in, unless you watch him play QB. And there are special elements of it. Now, is, is he – in a seven on seven or a you know Pascal or something like that is going to look the best. No, that's not going to happen. But in the game, he's a I think he's effective, and he did it against North Carolina in a bowl in a big critical situation. And then you know you think about it, Georgia two years ago, guy played almost the whole second half, uh, completed a nice pass to Nick Muse on a key situation, kind of let him run the clock down. They didn't ask him to do too much, but he didn't screw it up. He didn't screw it up, and he made his share of plays in that one, too. Those are two arguably of the biggest – those could be the two biggest wins South Carolina has had in the last three years. DeCarian Joyner was a quarterback in in, in both of them. Yeah, so that's what I would do. But anyway, and I am bro, Adam. (laughs) Uh, Thanks for that. that, Thanks for that tweet. Again, it's the IELP Consulting mailbag. And uh, I want to tell you about iHealth Consulting. Uh, if you think you're spending too much money with your business on, on expenses and all that good stuff, iHealth Consulting can help you. It's a Gamecock-owned and operated company whose only mission is to help businesses save money on expenses. Uh, whether you might be paying too much for credit card processing, internet insurance, or anything else, iHealth can find your business the most savings without sacrificing quality. And remember, if iHelp can't save your business any money, you don't pay them anything. That's right. If they cannot help you, it's no cost to you. So call or text my friend Daniel Owens. Talk to Daniel today. Great guy. Big Gamecock. 843-372-5713. Or visit iHelpConsulting.com to schedule a free consultation. That number, again, is 843-372-5713. iHelp Consulting. How can I help you? He also sponsors my segment on JB and Goldwater, which I got to get on here in 14 minutes. Uh, Billy, basketball question. Love these basketball questions too. I, I talk so much football, guys. Uh, I love basketball questions. I just, uh, I love to get them in. Cause I'm not, you know, I played basketball. I know the game. Probably not smart enough to to tell you, you know, the X's and O's of it. Um, you know, as far as defenses and stuff, it's pretty simple. Man zone, all that. I do think Frank Martin, looking at it from a football coaching standpoint, uh, is pretty good or has been at understanding space and getting guys open when, when they run his offense correctly. But uh, I don't know how much that happens. But anyway, uh, that's beside the point. Billy says, we love the show. Would you share your thoughts on USC hiring Greg Marshall if there's a change? Greg Marshall, of course, former Winthrop and uh, Wichita State coach, Greenwood native. He has an impressive resume, and rumor is he covets the job. Thanks in advance. Keep up the great work and go Cox. Um. Greg Marshall. Uh, okay, so 
all right, I call Greg Marshall a sociopath after the, uh, you know, the alleged attack on the athlete that parked in this space and stuff like that. Um, Cause uh, you know, that's sociopathic behavior. Well, I got a, I got a, I got an email from one of his family members. That didn't really appreciate that and kind of set the record straight and said, nah, you know, it kind of got, blackballed and if you notice they paid him all his money you know we live in this kind of time whatever and you know the difference between greg marshall uh and frank martin for those of you that that aren't fired up about the dirty words frank says is that with frank it's a game day thing and and there's just a lot of love for his players and all that if you ever notice you know, the guys take the coaching, the hard coaching, just fine. And even the players that have transferred out of the program don't have anything bad to say about Frank Martin. And even the players that have gotten kicked off the team, Frank Martin's gone to the end of the earth to help. It's at Kansas State, South Carolina, Cincinnati, you name it. Uh, Frank Martin is beloved by his players. Now, if you don't like cuss words uh, and you're offended by that, I, I respect that, you know, especially if you have kids and you don't want your kids to hear something like that, I get it. Uh, then you're not going to like Frank Martin. Okay. So feedback for Marshall, and I'm not saying his players hate him or anything like that. He's a pretty much tough uh, coach too. It's just not always during games in public. Uh, and and it, it's a different vibe, uh, but he's he's tough too. Uh, he also will recruit exactly like Frank's recruiting. You know, if you think Greg Mar, I think Greg Marshall can come in and win some games at South Carolina. Uh, I think it's a job he's thought about for a long time. You know, he grew up a Gamecock fan, but you know, if you're going to get rid of Frank Martin and you're going to bring in Greg Marshall, there's going to be certain things about Greg Marshall you're not going to like. Uh, and and I'll just keep the whole being a hard-ass coach off of it and, and talk about recruiting. He's going to recruit the same way. I mean, who did Frank beat for Keyshawn Bryant, Greg Marshall in Wichita State? You know, I mean, that, that's just kind of what he's going to do and how he's always operated. And, look, he took Wichita State in the final four. They were number one seed. They're good. Greg Marshall, I think, would win a lot of games. I, quite frankly, I thought that Mike McGee, when he hired Dave Odom, uh, and McGee probably wasn't going to take a risk on the guy from Winthrop, but he'd hired Greg Marshall back then instead of Dave Odom. I don't think you're looking at uh, back-to-back NIT championships. I think you're looking at a long run of NCAA tournaments, and especially with the shape the SEC was in at the time. But Greg Marshall's a hell of a coach. Now, Will South Carolina hire him if the job comes open? I think it's very unlikely. Uh, And that's just because there's a lot of folks in a lot of high places around South Carolina that aren't fans of Greg Marshall. Now, is that right? I don't know. I can't answer that. Uh, You know, I I would – I tend to think that, you know, (laughs) under – with different – you know, people in high places around South USC, uh, I tend to think they'd all be sitting there going, this is a blessing in disguise uh, that, that he's not at Wichita anymore. Uh, 
let's get him to come home. You know, because I don't I don't know that South Carolina was able to hire him from Wichita. Now they talked to him last time when Frank Martin was the guy, and had Frank turned it down, uh, Gamecocks may have made a run at Greg. Um, so I'm kind of up in the air on it. Uh, you know, I, I, you know, guy, a guy like Bob Ritchie from Furman, if it comes down to, you know, both guys, you know, I don't, I don't know. I, I just don't know. I, I, I think I would be a little bit more open to hiring him than a lot of folks. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm just saying though, that it's not, you know, <laughs> not that there's baggage, but there's a lot of, it, it, uh, you know, people say uh, relationship status, sometimes it's complicated. It's complicated. It's complicated. But uh, shoot, you know, it, uh, to me, if you do get rid of Frank Martin and you go hire Greg Marshall, that kind of sends a message, you know, and, and I'm not sure that the program right now doesn't need that kind of like bold move. Um, so, you know, I'm open to it. I'm open to it. All right, Mike says... Okay. Okay. Yeah. Mike comes back. JC, Tennessee needs 10 million to recruit. Now they actually said 25. How many McDonald's bags will that take? LOL. Yeah. And I've been talking about this. Folks, calm down. Calm down. And, and I'm going to explain this one more time and I'll keep explaining this. If you spend $25 million on a football recruiting class, okay. You get five and four star guys. And I think some people out there are under the impression that Alabama's Alabama because they have five and four star guys. No, Alabama takes five and four star guys. And some of them, you know, until Alabama offers, they're not going to be five and four star guys. And and that, I think that's legit. I mean, there's no Bama bump per se, but when you got Alabama, Ohio State, these schools, you know, because uh, they, they evaluate better than anybody in the country. If you notice, 48% of their five stars are drafted in the first round. That number is 11% with every other program in college football. 11%. That means 89% of the projected first rounders out of high school, the five stars, don't go that high at every other school but Alabama. So what does that tell you? Player development. They develop as well as anybody in the country. They need four or five five-star high school guys. And turn them into NFL studs. And, you know, Georgia on their defense this past year, yeah, a lot of four- and five-star guys. Shane Beamer pointed that out, but they've all developed. I mean, and then you look at a guy like Devontae Wyatt, who was a low four-star, who South Carolina had committed at one point, who's in the first round because he developed. Jordan Davis was a three-star offensive. He developed. Uh, you know, and then Nicobe Dean, who had an immense amount of talent coming out, he developed too. I mean, Nicobe Dean didn't come out of Mississippi and decide he's the most dominant linebacker in football. In fact, it took a couple of years. All right, so so five stars don't always pan out. So, you know, boosters aren't going to sit here in and give NIL money to for three-star guys. You know, they're not. So you hand those guys straight out of high school a million dollars each when they already bust at a high clip you know, in terms of not reaching their potential just because it's an inexact science. It's people like me or who I used to be evaluating these guys, you know, and it's fun and I'm proud of the work I did and I'm proud of the guys that work in this industry. But my God, 
you know, you still have people out there that work in this business that won't let go of the fact they dramatically overrated Tate Martell, who sucked. He's he kind of sucked in high school. I had a coach out at a Pac-12 school that said, I'm gonna touch him with a 10-foot pole. Couldn't, couldn't compete for the job at Ohio State, couldn't get on the field at freaking Miami, couldn't and then just gave up after UNLV. Okay. But you still have people out there going, what happened? Oh, my God. He was so – no, he wasn't. He just wasn't any good. Sometimes you miss. I've ranked guys who weren't very good. I don't say they weren't very good. I missed. But besides my experience in the business, I mean, you know, you're handing it over to a next generation now with the exception of a few people that just – they just don't – I mean, it's, it's a hype train. I mean, they're like the hype guy in the corner. I mean, you have seven-on-seven seven coaches complaining about going to seven-on-sevens because – we used to like like to find diamonds in the rough and write about them and stuff. And it's like they just care about the guys they've already ranked and write about them, and that's it. There's no discovery anymore in this business. So, and then then you rank them so damn early, it's like, wow, you know, these guys that were good here probably aren't going to be good in three years. And that's what I'm talking about. Football's a developmental sport. Let them go ahead and pay 25 million. 18 of those guys. <laughs> With the seven figures in the bank in college as a fresh, do you think they're going to put in the work and put their body through all that crap? No, because they're already set up. Let them go ahead and do that, and think about that for a minute. You know, think about that, and think about that. Five and four star talent is only a fraction of what goes into winning on Saturdays. And if you don't have the other parts, you know, look at Tennessee, Florida State, Southern Cal. They've recruited as well as anybody in the country. They're getting their butts cut, you know, partly because the players they recruited as highly rated as they were didn't do what it took. So anyway, I'll have more on that later. I know this is a short podcast, but it was a powerful one. I uh, hope you all guys are doing well. Thanks again. I help consulting Heritage Digital, Cindy Searfoss. Uh, appreciate all of you tuning in today. We'll be back later in the week with more. I'm J.C. Sherbert. This has been Inside the Gamecocks Podcast, signing off.